This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. More A2 is software for usability testing and user experience research, enabling you to test quickly and often, letting you solve real design issues. By PowerMapper. Mapping your site has never been easier. PowerMapper extracts links from each page of your site until it's mapped your entire site, providing you with a complete inventory. By OptimalSort. With an elegant user interface, powerful analysis, and outstanding support, OptimalSort can help you run successful card sorts better than you ever thought possible. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For other events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. In our half-day workshop, Unpacking Stories to Serve People Better, Indy Young talks about the importance of continuing to ask why enough times to get to the core reason for any individual's behavior or actions. We discuss the elegant way in which mental models can provide a visual representation of these behaviors, including the supporting elements that foster the likely repetition of any action. Indy also talks briefly about her book from Rosenfeld Media, Mental Models Aligning Design Strategy with Human Behavior, and how this publication can help others in the creation of these visual tools. Many thanks to Indy for taking your time at UX Week to chat with me. And I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. You know, the whole title of your talk was, you know, unpacking uh, stories to um, serve people better. Yeah. Right. And that was a lot of what, you know, Don and uh, was talking about today, hated the idea of users. Uh-huh. We're not building users. Yes. We're building things for people. Yes. Right. And a lot of your presentation was around, uh, around this idea of mental models, mm-hmm. right, and this concept. Um, in particular, at the front end, I really like this quote about how intelligence is a poor cousin to understanding. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you mean by that. that sure. That, idea? that quote is from Frank Herbert, one of my favorite authors. Okay. He has a way with words. Um, and what it's getting at is that often in our businesses, we get a lot of data about our users, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know information about how often they do something or how many you know, different paths they take through a website or, you know, how much stuff they're likely to buy if they bought this one thing. There's a lot of intelligence about our users, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what's driving them. We don't understand them. We can pretend we do, but we really don't. You can't know that until you can get the user in front of you and ask them why. And then where's the priority with that, right? A lot of organizations Uh have multiple developers and maybe a UX practitioner or, you know, someone in that field, a couple, right? And it's fine if there's a couple, but if the priority is not on the the person or persons you're designing for, right, then how do you Mm -hmm. get into that? And and that's that's the whole idea around mental models, right, Mm -hmm. is trying to get to that. So maybe we could start by... um, the, the rest of this conversation around what is a mental model for people that aren't really familiar with it? Because right. I know there are a few definitions that there's, you described during your presentation. Yeah, there's quite a few definitions. Right. Um, and uh, my definition is closest to the cognitive science definition okay. of that field. They have a bunch of definitions themselves, mm-hmm. apparently. But my definition is that it's uh, what drives people's behavior. Right. Um, so mental model, what I do is um, coalesce a bunch of different uh, voices is, that are from the same audience segment into one model and these are the things that are driving what they're doing so it's getting underneath the skin of what a person is trying to accomplish um, you know what philosophy are they following did they learn to do this when they were a kid did they have certain preferences um, that have developed into a certain behavior mm-hmm. all of that sort of thing asking why basically right exactly yeah so one of the things I mentioned in the beginning of the presentation was um, an example 
piece of data you might get, like 11% of the moviegoers like to go to movies alone, right. and it tells you nothing about those moviegoers. Each person has a different story. Uh, one person that I asked, why do you go see movies alone, she says she wants to give the director her undivided attention because when she wrote a play in college and put it on, people were not paying attention and they didn't get the point of her play, okay. and she felt really bad. Right. And exactly. she doesn't want the director to feel really bad, so she pays attention. Right. And everybody would have a different a different reason. Her reason's very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly casts a lot more understanding on her behavior than if she was just one of those eleven percent. Right. And, and a lot of a lot of the, the in order to get to these answers, it's a matter of really listening attentively and almost playing uh, from your presentation, it's almost like the Socratic method. Where you're, where you're answering questions and with other questions to follow up and to get to the to really get to the sort of the heart of the matter, right? Yeah. And instead of like you were just saying, like eleven percent of people like going go to movies alone. Uh-huh. Well, great, but like you said, it doesn't answer the question why and what and where, mm-hmm. when. And one of the question, one of the statements that you were talking about was you have to need, need to be careful about the question of how. Uh-huh. Right now, why is that? Um, uh, we're all very well. Uh, versed in evaluative research, okay. research that helps us understand how well a per product or a service that we're doing um, supports somebody, how well it works to get the job done. And when we do that kind of research, we ask how. How exactly are you doing this? Um, you know, how do you get money out of an ATM? Well, I insert my card. I insert my. I type in my PIN. You know, blah blah blah. Um, well, for a mental model, we're not interested in that level of detail. What we're interested in is, well, why did you go to the ATM? It was to get $40 out so I could pay for the parking okay. for the day. It, that's what I'm interested in, right. uh, not how exactly they got into the machine. So s- there are how questions that are fine to ask. Just make sure you're not asking a how question and, and falling into evaluative research. Right. We want to do generative. Okay. And some other words to avoid. You were talking about uh, like the word wish love, want, or hate, Yeah. right? And, 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 and maybe explain a little bit why, why those words are, 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 is it because they're subjective? Yeah. Is it because, why it's, is that? There's a couple of different reasons. Okay. One is, you know, wish and, and stuff is subjective and it's kind of future thinking and you might put something out there in words that you didn't, you wouldn't actually behave that way when you are faced with the situation. Right. So it's kind of conjectural. Um, but the other thing is that usually those words are in conjunction with a particular service that you're getting or a particular interaction you've had with a product. And um, like, oh, I, I hate my iPod because I can't get it to, you know, stop in the middle, whatever it is. Okay. You're trying to do that. And that's, that's the level of granularity, again, like the ATM that I'm not really that interested in. It's like, well... Why are you using the iPod to do that? Mm-hmm. What are you really trying to accomplish? Um, and get at that, that thing that they want to get done, not the tool that they're using to get it done. Right. And, so, and some, of the, some of the key things that have come out in the presentations uh, uh, today at UX Week on the mm-hmm. first day, as well as other conferences I've been to this year, are these idea of uh, some of the key verbs that you talked about in terms of do, believe, and, and feel. And almost this concept of getting back to the human element of almost this emotional component, right? Yeah. Tapping back into the yeah. human side of things. Yeah, one of the things that we learned when we were growing up, three, four, our mothers all read stories to us. And stories help us understand people. They help us understand what it is to be uh, a little boy with a red ball. It helps us understand what it's like to be a snake. 
right. um, you know, et cetera. And so we learn how to be other people through those stories. And that's something for some reason we abandon when we enter the business place. And I don't think we should abandon that human side of things. Those are some skills that we've had for years and years and years for eons throughout um, you know, the development of humanity. So let's, let's hang on to those and let's, let's put those to work for us in understanding how somebody wants to get something done, not necessarily the details of it, but what's driving them so that we can support them better. For example, oh, let's take um, uh, transferring funds between two bank accounts. And you might see a form that says, specify the account you want to transfer from, specify the account you want to transfer to, and the amount. Um, but what if you had something that would help you decide how much, or what percentage, or when to transfer, and if these were funds that were all invested in the stock market, would it help you make decisions about um, swings in uh, value of these funds and the risk level of these funds? And could it ask you how you were feeling with regards to risk and things like that and help you come to a decision about how much to transfer and where to transfer it to um, without just, you know, you having to figure it out all in advance. Right. And, and, and part of what you were t describing today was looking at uh, transcripts, for example, from user experience testing and other, other sources of information that might come in and, mm -hmm. and trying to break down some of the, some of the key statements uh, to incorporate that into, uh, into a mental model that would look at sort of the key elements that you can categorize things and then the supporting elements of yeah. their needs. So could you talk a little bit about the process you go through with that? Um, well, essentially, the, I, go, I usually teach a very formal process okay. and then I encourage people to break the, all of those rules and do it as informally as they possibly can. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna give you sort of a synopsis and that is you listen to someone and you pull out of that the little tidbits that make up a certain philosophy that they might indicate. They may not come out and say it directly, but they might imply it. You'll pull out emotional reactions that they have to certain things. And you'll also pull out different behaviors that they have that they do, different steps that they take, different people that they talk to and why they talk to those people. So we're, we're pulling out the, the reasons behind their behaviors and putting them together in the top part of the mental model, um, kind of letting those little tidbits group by affinity. Okay. So uh, definitely not coming up with boxes in our head mm -hmm. in which to sort these little tidbits. And then underneath each one of these um, groups, these affinity groups, we are placing uh, what is it that my organization does to support someone doing this. Okay. Um, and. It really is just that simple, what my organization does to support someone. It doesn't have to be specific to um, features in a software application. It could be an awards banquet that you give to, you know, to celebrate somebody. Sure. So it extends beyond sort of the tip, the stereotypical way we think about process and design within the IT world. Yeah. Right. Where it can extend beyond all aspects of our lives, really. Yeah. The, the mental model really um, acts kind of like a market requirements document. Okay. So um, my understanding of requirements documents is that they're outlining what is, uh, what is it that we want to solve? So what part of the user's world do we want to fix or give a solution for? Um, and here's all the details about it. And it might include business rules and things like that, um, but a lot of it is description of kind of the user's problem set, sure. which can be replaced by a mental model.
Yeah, and that was the other thing that I found really interesting too when you when you brought up the requirements document, right? Because there's this picture of this requirements document that you know everyone's seen, yep. right? And you were talking about how uh, you were showing um, icons from IBM and other major multi-billion-dollar corporations yep. that use these all the time. Yep. Um, and what I found interesting, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily need I, it doesn't necessarily need to replace it, but it can almost enhance it because the one thing that I found really find really powerful about mental models is they're a visual representation, mm -hmm. right, of yeah. a very complex process or concept, and it breaks down it breaks it down to the fundamental elements, the things that are most important, right? Getting away from the 11% of people go to movies alone mm -hmm. and getting down to the reasons why they do that, like yeah. you were saying before, and I think. I think visualization needs to play, and we're seeing this at UX Week. All the different, you know, drawing and sketching and these ideas to communicate ideas is is really powerful because we're not designing these things for other machines, right? We're designing them for other people, right? And we need to yeah. bring that human element yeah. back. You know, one of the things that's missing, um, or that we should focus on more, is the uh, communication aspect of things. Right. The connection between one person on the team and another person on the team or even outside of the team but that whole um oh i get it i'm on the same page as you now um and that's hard to achieve with a paragraph or several paragraphs yeah. um and it's much easier to achieve everybody will nod their head with a little sketch um the diagram takes the place of the requirements paragraphs not the business rules and stuff you still need lists of those um, but it takes the replace of those paragraphs des describing the user's world um, in a visual format mm -hmm. that people can uh, take in at a glance. Well, okay, so it's a five-second glance. <laughs> <laughs> but still. But, yeah, yeah. It's much easier to, uh, to take in a diagram than it is to take in an inch-thick requirements document. Yeah. I've been, I've been learning a lot about infographics lately oh. uh, as a powerful me in, in a similar way, right, where you can sort of... You, you see where you fit within a complex process without having to read a really convoluted, heavy, thick manual yeah. in that regard, too. You know? Well, the requirements go into so much detail, and sometimes that detail shifts, and so people spend so much time rewriting requirements or honing them or polishing right. them. The, the mental model allows you to sort of see the whole picture mm -hmm. at a high level, and you can dive in where you want to and then go into the detail. Right. Um, but you don't have to dive into the detail right away. Right. And, and I love I love the I love the the supporting elements underneath too. You know how powerful is that to see? You know, if you're within any process, to see that the people or the or the the, the tools or, or whatever it is within your organization or in your personal life that support the things that you do and how you do them to better understand maybe how to do things better or more efficiently or more effectively. Yeah, it helps you just sort of crystallize your thinking around things. Yeah, crystallize yeah. your strategy. Crystallize. Uh, your understanding of how well you are supporting someone, mm -hmm. or where there are opportunities for improvement. Right, exactly. Yeah. It just makes it all better, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. Well, Indy, thank you so much for taking time to talk yeah. to me today. It's great. Sure. I know, and you've also got a, you've also got a book out from Rosenfeld Media uh -huh. again. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, it goes into the um, detail on how to uh, do non-directed interviews, okay. um, which is something. Uh, a lot of people talk about in their books, mm -hmm. um, but not a lot of us have practiced doing, or, or we've practiced doing it, but not had a lot of success at it. It's a difficult right. thing to do. Okay. Um, and uh, it goes into detail about how to, how to go through the, the data that you get out of that and not let it overwhelm you. I just spent about 15 minutes after my workshop with this one fellow who said, okay, wait, I am still so overwhelmed with this. How? You know, and I said, well, start randomly. You don't have to have structure in the beginning. In fact, you don't want a structure. Close your eyes, point at 
some piece of data, mm -hmm. grab that one, and then see if any other data floats up that's similar to it. Right. And then close your eyes again, pick another random piece of data and do it over again until you've done that so many times patterns start to emerge. Um, and that's pretty much what the book is about. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Excellent. it's also available in PDF format. So oh, great. Lou Rosenfeld's trying to uh, uh, pull publishing into the 21st century. Yeah. So um, the PDF version is formatted completely differently. Yeah. And he ran usability tests on the, the format of the book itself. So it was pretty fun. Excellent. That's yeah. great. I own a copy and I love it. And, and your presentation today just really crystallized everything that you talked about in your book and made a lot of things a lot of things a lot more clearer for me. And I think uh, I'll, I hope more organizations start in, incorporating these things because it, uh, mental models, excuse me, because um, yeah. I know for myself it's made my life as an information architect a lot easier in incorporating mental models into the work that I do. So oh, great. It's great. So. And I want to ask you how. <laughs> well, we, we can talk about that off air. It's all good. Anyway, thank you again, right. Andy, for thank taking you. time. Thank you. Okay.